0: Let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions and we're back in your ears once again. The beer is in the glass and we're ready to go, aren't we,
1: Martin? We are indeed. And um, we here to be doing an alcohol-free show again, Steve. The, the third time now? Yeah, despite the fact that I said after the first time I probably wouldn't even record with you again, so that, obviously you're not a man of my word whatsoever on the alcohol-free uh, market. that we do?
0: No, but I think I think each time the um, the quality and the availability of the beers has been taking a step up, hasn't it? Which I, I don't think either of us really anticipated that back in 2016
1: when we did the the, the first alcohol-free show, did we? Oh God, no. I mean, I I, I was still in. I think we we're both still impressed that there was variety outside a couple of standards, but I didn't see so many arriving. And so many breweries who brew only know yes. or no these days as well. I mean, I think that's been the big thing, hasn't it, Steve?
0: And, and yeah, so the beers that we're featuring tonight are from breweries that do very much specialise in either purely no alcohol beer or low and no. So we should probably get into the, the, the first of the beers we're going to be featuring this week. This is from uh, a new brewery called Sheep in Wolf's Clothing, who uh, do specialise in, in, in low and no, or, although they do have a couple of beers in their range that are normal ABV as as well. But we are starting off tonight with Lager Day Saints, which is a not. 5% lager, which
1: um, looks very tasty, it looks very welcoming in the glass. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's nothing to hint at what it may or may not be at the moment, so should no. we dive in? Let's do that. Cheers. Cheers. bit lemony.
0: Lemon, really crisp, uh, really tight on the bubbles, so it gives a, it gives a really refreshing finish on, on, on the palate. Really easy to drink. Um, you know what, mate? I'm gonna say I would struggle to call that no alcohol if I was given that in a blind test. that That is a
1: really, really good lager, yeah. I, well, I definitely would agree with that. that That's a piece you just said there, especially when it's cold. Maybe if it warms up a bit, but then I don't think a lot of lagers improve as they warm up anyway, in, in my own opinion. Maybe that's because I'm programmed to drink them cold i don't know but the initial thought would be the same as you I, there's nothing really leaping out at me to say oh hold on a second it's 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 a low or no beer so no i'm i'm impressed with that i mean it's a 440 can as you say 0.5 percent a nice carbonation when it first came out of the glass um and i think the lemon the le- slightly lemony aroma or very you know fresh citrus aroma um definitely helped it It didn't have anything unpleasant about it at all no
0: no it's 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 got a very a very clean finish to to it as well which is um something that i i certainly like to look for in in in, in a lager um because i want it to i want it to do that i want it to refresh my palate and then to almost
1: invite me back in for the next sip yeah it's not, you know for me i, I i'm quite happy for a, a lager to have just a couple of moments after i finished it cut off I go back in again, which is what I would, which is how I would often treat a lager.
0: And so we are really grateful to uh, Sheep in Wolf's Clothing, and I've got to remember to say it that way around because that's a that that's a play on the um on on, on the normal phrase there, isn't yes. it? Yes. Um, who sent us uh, quite a selection of, yeah. of their beers? And what was interesting for me was um, apart from the one which I think was a five point eight percent IPA there were a couple at 2.5 and then the rest of them were 0.5. But the thing that was interesting to me was the range of styles that they, they have within that. So there's, there's the lager, there's, uh, there's, there's a, I think there's a session IPA, there's a wheat beer, there's a, there's a black lager, um, a, a real diverse range of, uh, of different styles of beer that they've tried.
1: Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I mean, I- Slight downside for me of having that mix of cans is that it's very hard to tell they're from the same brewery, to be honest, because of the way the branding is and the colouring. Yeah. So even on my even though I know that we got sent this, this package and I have personally put them on the beer shelf for the show, it's a really diverse range. And when I went to put, get them ready for the recording this evening, it was like I had to double-check I had the right beers from the right brewery for the sheep and wolves clothing because they it, it don't feel like they've got a identity on their cans. Nothing, or not as obvious.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Actually, there's no uh, u- uniformity a- a- across their range. Um, and, and I wonder whether that is uh, intentional as well, because, because as far as I'm aware, they, uh, they contract brew every beer that they've got in that current range has been contract brewed at a different brewery based on um, the expertise and the technical knowledge that the particular host brewery has for brewery in a particular style. So I'm, I'm wondering if the branding is purposely
1: reflective of that as, as well. Um, I mean, it could be. And, and, you know, for them and people who know very good, but I, mean, I just think for Joe Public, it, it, would, it would be a struggle to identify it on the beer shelf or the, in the beer fridge. That would, that would I be say I'd be the downside and it's in quite stark contrast to the other couple of beers we'll have from another brewery. So we're going to start off this week
0: by um, talking about next year, actually, aren't we? Well, of course, um... why, why, why wouldn't we? <laughs> and looking forward to the summer sesh in 2022, which uh, we are now hopeful will 100% go ahead. Because um, it would seem as though we're we're moving into better times, and and these sorts of events um, can can be thought about a, a, again. Um, and while you and I were looking at, at the dates, um, we had the sudden realization that uh, it falls on the weekend after the double bank holiday that that we're getting at the end yep, of May, so... beginning of
1: June it's queen's platinum jubilee or some what well, i can't remember exactly what it is but there's a, a day for the queen and also they've brought the spring bank holiday the late spring bank holiday to the end of that week haven't they as well yeah. so i think the thursday and the friday the first thursday and right. the first friday of that week in june which i think is also a half term week for a lot of people um are bank holidays yeah so yeah. what have we decided to do steve
0: well, I think we both had the same idea at the same time, didn't we? Because we were we were chatting backwards and forwards about it, and um, and then literally at the same time, we was like, "Well, we may as well do two days. Then we, we may yes. as well do two full days. So, so none of this messing messing around with summer session Eve. Let's actually have a crawl on the Friday and a crawl on the Saturday, um, because it kind of, in in a way, it um, allows us to." Uh, Realise some of the other plans that maybe we tentatively had for the Friday evening but we felt as though we might have been squeezing too much or or rushing a bit too much Um, so so yeah basically we're going to do a full day on the Friday. Uh, we're going to do a nice easy crawl, not, not a lot of places, um, maybe just sort of like somewhere between three and six. So, um, by, by no means uh, a lot of walking involved, but we're going to visit Sturchley because we keep hearing um, <laughs> urban myth about
1: the Sturchley beer mile. So, we're, we're going to go and um, give that a try, aren't we? Yeah, well, I think we should go and find out for ourselves, to find out if this is an urban, urban myth or it's, it's a true legend and uh, find out for ourselves and that would have been a bit of the Friday evening Um, and yes I think we would have squeezed it a bit more and then people coming into Birmingham have to get out there that kind of stuff you know if we do uh, the idea and I say the idea because you know we know how these things have often ended up (laughs) the idea would be it's a bit more gently paced spend a bit more time again as usual we'll say where we'll be and people just turn up but you know, we know that not everyone will be able to spare the extra day uh, or want to do an extra day in a hotel or something. So obviously, the main day is still going to be the Saturday. That is going to be Birmingham Summer Sesh 2022.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And um, we are still in the process of uh looking at what the plans might be and the places where we, we, we might want to visit and whether there will be any need for us to be kind of booking in advance bearing in mind we're anticipating having a uh, having a fairly big group but it's just in for for you our listeners if you wanted to get it in your diary and you wanted to start looking potentially at hotels we're we're talking friday the third and saturday the fourth of uh june 2022 for the two cruel days um and then obviously arriving and leaving as you see fit around that but we will publish more details about that uh early on in in 2022 let's get the dreaded c word out of the way first and and then we can start talking about the summer session
1: agreed but yeah it's it's definitely something we would look forward to doing because it's been gutting that we had to cancel it twice so far so I'm really looking forward to it. There's there's enough places to fill up both days and we've, we, we've got enough Midland contingent to help us with this process as well. But that is a Beery adventure
0: for the future. Let's have a little look back at some of the recent Beery adventures that you and I have been up to mate. So what have you been doing recently?
1: Well obviously it's been a, a little while since we've had our Beery adventure discussion especially you know when we had such a great guest on last time in Johnny, you know, the the conversation flowed without you and I having to discuss our, our Beery adventures. So we've got to go back in time a little bit on this one. So you let forward to June with the summer session. We're going to go back to the start of September and uh, the s bottle share made a proper full on indoor return to the ale house in Chelmsford. Unfortunately, uh, you couldn't make it Steve that evening. Um, And there was one or two others as well, but I think there was a dozen of us in the end, um, which was wonderful to have a dozen of us back because there was a couple of people who never uh, felt comfortable joining us on the Zoom uh, calls we were doing to keep the bottle share going during the course of uh, lockdowns. And it was wonderful. The Earl House had reserved our old table. The glasses were out. Um, They had Jaipur on keg. To start the proceedings off so i was i was rolling in fact if people hadn't turned up i just would have sat there drinking all the dry pour <laughs> anyway so you know it was like oh everyone's turned up damn right over to the bottle share bit but no it was brilliant you know back to the old school we brought our bottles we brought our cans um and i'm only going to give one beery highlight because um you you will know what this beer looks like exactly steve because you were there when clayton picked it up at stone berlin
0: oh did he bring he brought... one of these huge magnums
1: oh yes he brought one of his stone brewing massive was it one and a half liter magnum yeah um i mean they're, they're big heavy bottles even when they're empty um so this was the one of the groundbreaking collaborations number 11 midnight four struck the champions um which i've butchered most of that um <laughs> just to be clear and that was done with Mars um, Brown, who I'm sure a lot of people have heard of, and also with AV Brewing Co. in Boulder, uh, Colorado, in the US. And it was, uh, it's, essentially, it was a Roush beer. Um, a big, fuck-off bottle of Roush beer, which I'm sure that uh, Mr Johnson would have quite happily sat there drinking the whole one and a half litres anyway. But it was, it was really nice, and it was my, it was not only because Clayton turned up and, just basically, you know, and could have literally smashed everyone's bottles with that one. But um, it was my it was my beer of the evening. It was just really nice. Everything was um, in balance. So there was a little bit of sweetness from some maple. There was a little bit of smoke. And I think it was actually, although it says a Roush bit for a few of us, we felt it was more like almost like a slightly smoked bock. Um, but yeah, it was a really nice beer to share. And obviously... Because there was 12 of us, some of our other pools were quite small, so we did actually get a bit more out of this one as well. I've been back in the city, back in the office. Um, uh, we're, we're, we've transitioned to a hybrid way of working, and plan is I've been roughly two days a week out of the five. And one of my recent visits was a very, very pleasant day, and decided to take a bit of a wander at lunchtime. And although I couldn't uh, end up where I wanted to... Um, On the way back, decided to stop off at a couple of pubs in and around um, Smithfield Market. And basically, there's only about one beer missing from this list I'm about to say, Steve, and I'm sure you'll know which beer it is anyway. But the first pub had a proper job on cask. Uh, The second pub had landlord on cask. And then I stopped off briefly. I wasn't going to stop off at the pub near work, but I looked in the window and they'd go ship on. So pretty much that's yeah, you know, three out of probably what we were our top five cast beers. I mean, all I needed to do was stumble on a pint of cast dry pour and I'm, it, I would have been in danger of not going back to the office at all. <laughs> um, so that was nice, but it was nice to see um, the pubs in and around the city and around Smithfield, which is still sort of within the square mile or just off it. Um, having cu- custom in there who weren't living nearby, it was evidently city workers in some of them, Um, But also that all of them had some decent cask on and all of it in decent nick as well. So that was really very pleasing, pleasing for me to see as well. And it just means then, you know, you've got a bit more variety in and around the city. And it just, again, felt like things were slowly taking a bit of a turn towards where it was before. So fingers crossed that continues. Lovely to see those pubs um, have made it through to this point. As well
0: if there's um if, the, if there's that much cask available it's, it's, it's obviously a sign that people are returning to the pubs as well because they're obviously they're obviously getting through the, the volume that they need to get through w- without having to waste any
1: aren't they yeah because i know that the globe near work in moorgate when they first when when the city started reopening they essentially had the nicholson's pale ale which is the one brewed for them from saint Austell and doom and that was advertised in pretty much all the pubs i suspect they didn't have as many casks as pubs, but they were just making sure what it looked like they didn't have just deadlines and stuff. So, but as more people have come back, the variety started to widen again. So what I, what I have to admit is that none of the pubs that sell cask around work, um, the ones I went to, we had anything from like what I would class as smaller independent brewers. These t- they t- tended to be the family regionals, mm-hmm. but they're getting them in from, um, but for my own personal taste on that occasion, it was actually something I was very happy about as well. But yeah, you're quite right. There's, there's obviously enough people coming in, drinking it. So that, that's good. Um, now I'm down to the Southwest. So I've gone to the city. I'm down in the Southwest now because I've taken Michael back to university and um, dumped him and his stuff out of his car, at his new accommodation up to the Premier Inn, back into Plymouth, found somewhere to watch football and then drank many pints of tribute. As I do. Tribute tends to be in so many pubs in and around Plymouth because obviously it's a, it's a slightly more sessionable ABV than having pints of proper job. So it's always easier for, I always find it easier to hold a tribute in Plymouth than proper job. Um, I did find proper job, so i managed to do that. Um, maybe much to your disgust, Steve, I indulged myself in a few very nice chilled ciders as well. Um, Sheppies and Sanford were the ciders that I, I had. A couple of bars there selling them on draft very nice they were too and um harbour um don't often see um t- harbour on tap in our neck of the woods um, but i found this little place called stable overlooking the marina uh which incidentally did fabulous pizza and mac and cheese i had two meals in there during the course of one day which would, we'd split it up by by going to the cinema um so if you're in the plymouth area and you fancy a bit of decent grub and a bit of view The stable just around the marina is an excellent place to go. And again, good range of beers, good range of ciders. On the way home, decided to go to Southampton. Uh, A mate of mine lives on the Isle of Wight, so it's a handy place to meet. And it broke up the very long, dull, boring seven-hour journey home from from Plymouth. And um, obviously not content with already arranging where we were going to meet, I decided, oh, I've got an hour. I must be able to do something with an hour. So I found a little Belgian bar. Um, Lovely little place called Belgium and Blues. And nice, nice uh, selection. on. only opened at four o'clock anyway, Um, at least on the Tuesday I was there. Uh, I think it opens earlier as you get closer to the weekend. But yeah, lovely little place. It's all that generally a lot of it is downstairs and there's some outside seating. Good selection on tap. Um, Excellent selection in fridges. And when they were doing their uh, food nights, they tended to be leaning towards some of the Belgian cuisine. So there was, you know, you could get some mussels and frits if you wanted to as well. So I managed to find in the hours there, Bruzot, Saison de Pont, and they had Burning Sky Blanche as well. So Not bad selection to happen across, is it? Exactly. And the, the sort of beers you'd, you'd quite like having that smaller pour as well. None of those you really need to have the, the bigger pours and like all good Belgian bars, they had a good range of glassware to accompany the beers as well. So uh, credit credit where credit's due on, on that one. Nice little finds. And next time I'm in Southampton, I might be spending a little bit more time there as well. So I shall uh, alter my timings when I'm meeting my mate, but we did meet up. We met up at dancing man brew pub, which is opposite the red funnel ferries for anyone who's familiar with Southampton. Um, Lovely outside seating there, but they've got nice pub inside. Tends to be basically their own beers that they sell. Although having said that, the aforementioned Burning Sky, they had Plateau on Cask, 3.5%. Three, three I've already had a few belgian beers, and I had the Blanche wheat Beer, which was only 4.5%, stepped down to the 3.5 Plateau on Cask. Nice little starter. Um, dancing Man tend to specialise more in um, keg beers but they've got a quite a decent range. I mean, they've got some pale ale, some New England IPAs, um, a couple of variations on IPA between a 5.7 and a, a higher one in the six area. A nice milk stout as well. Um, I suppose the highlight one for me was Poleaxed. Proper West Coast IPA, 6.7%. Um, fortunately, my hotel weren't too far away. So that, that was a good thing. And um, We were there for a good while, but yeah, lovely pub. Well worth a visit if you're in, in Southampton. And if you get the weather, you know, sitting out the front, sort of overlooking where the ferry, ferries go for the red funnel, it could be a very nice atmosphere down there as well. So, Steve, um, I'm going to take a breather. I'm going to dive back into this beer. Um, what have you been up to, mate? So since the last time we spoke
0: about beer adventures, I've had uh, my birthday. So um, as you do, i treated myself to some beers from the cellar. And, and some that were in the fridge. Uh, quite a few, obviously, because it was my birthday and I was intending on celebrating it. Um, but there's just a couple of standouts that I really wanted to, to mention. First of which was um, continuing with the Abbeydale theme. Uh, they've just recently released uh, Deliverance Double IPA, which was continuously hopped for 100 minutes. Um, so they basically took the concept that Dogfish Head have for for, the, for their IPAs, and they attack this brew every minute for a hundred minutes. It got another hop addition, and the resulting beer um, is nothing short of marvelous. It's in in terms of the resiny bitterness that that shines through on it. It's absolutely fantastic. I'm not, and I know you've got a few cans, mate. I'm not sure if you've managed to
1: to get round to trying it yet. No, I, I, have, I have dived in on it um, and I couldn't agree with you more. It put me in mind of dogfish head beer as well, which I, I am pass, I'm saying that as a compliment from my point of view. Um, it, and we say it a lot, even, even despite all that pine, pine and resinous and maybe even a little bit of dankness, it was superbly easy to drink. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: so easy. Too easy. Um, and then the, the other one, the other standout beer was uh, last year's Fuller's Vintage so the 2020 edition um treat myself to a bottle of that on my birthday and I really enjoyed it last year when it first came out I thought it had a lot of potential and sort of nine months in it's developing lovely so I'm really looking forward to when we revisit that again on on our end of year show this year um, because I think another three months and that is going to be tasting absolutely sublime in, in, in the bottle. Uh, they've done really well with last year's, uh, brew of the vintage.
1: Excellent. Look forward to that then. Uh,
0: in addition to that, um, the only other thing that I've really done, uh, was this past weekend, um, Em and I went to Southwold for, 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 the weekend. It's a, it's a place that we absolutely love to visit. Um, can't understand why there's must be some sort of attraction there that, that, that draws us back time after time. And we essentially spent the I'd say 90% of our weekend in the Sol Bay Inn, um, just just enjoying the, the, the beers that were in there. We did we did manage to catch up with Sean, um Sean O'Reilly at Uncruda, who who came over and had uh had a couple of pints of his ghost ship shandies as, as he calls them the, the the regular and the 0.5 um so it was nice to catch up with Sean um and and just sort of like you know just just have a few beers really in, in in the sun on Saturday afternoon and then mostly on on Sunday like I say it was we we were in the Sol Bay Inn there was there was a lot of ghost ship consumed um but also a couple of beers that and and I think I mentioned this on on Untapped. There's there's a couple of beers in the Adams range which I think sometimes get overlooked because they're just simply not as as, as widely available on draft. And that's first one is their Ease Up IPA, which is a 4.6% session IPA, uh, which I absolutely love. I, th- I think it's it's got such fantastic tropical notes um and it's just really really easy to drink and like i said i think it's a shame that you don't see it a lot on draft and and the other one is innovation which is their 6.7 percent ipa um which is actually quite uh it's quite belgiany in its characteristics Mm. it's like particularly yeast wise it's got those some some hints of those Belgian esters but um I Was talking to Fergus because Fergus came over to say hi uh, yesterday as well, and had had a couple of pints with Fergus, and he was saying, "Yeah, they've been th- with innovation in particular. Um, Dan, who's the head brewer now, is has been working on it to really." dial up the citrusy notes of it and and, and the, how that punches within the beer. And for, for me, I've I've never tasted innovation as good as it tasted this weekend. It, it was it was tasting big and bold and just that subtle Belgianiness that sat underneath it just, just brings that all together perfectly. So it's an absolutely delicious beer. But as I said, I drank uh, loads of ghost ship um which is kind of what you do and anyway, um when, when you go to, to, to adnams country. But um partly the the, the the reason behind at least one of those Pints of Ghost Ship was because I've now, uh, now I'm into my officially into my fiftieth year. I'm I'm finally starting this uh, much lauded fifty beers for fifty years project that, that I've been <laughs> banging on about for, for ages. And and I thought to myself, what what a better way to to, to start that journey. Than to have um, Adnams ghost ship on cask in Southwold, because it it was one of the the, the very early introductions I had to um, good beer. Re- really, when it was when it was launched at the the, the, the GBBF, and I, I I tried it there. I was like, wow, okay, this is a this is a really tasty beer. This is a cask beer that I could really get on with. So it it felt like that that was the appropriate starting point for for me. On on my journey, um, and I've been able to already tick off line one on on my spreadsheet, um, and start off with beer number one of of my fifty beers for fifty years journey. Excellent, not a bad not a bad way to start the journey, mate. I'm going to mention my little project because what I want to try and do is wherever possible is to kind of intertwine it into the show, because obviously the, the podcast itself has, has been a massive part of my beer journey over the last 10 years, or coming up to 10 years now. So it will be a case of wherever possible. Um, there are a number of dates over the next year uh, that coincide with things we've done on the show. So I've already kind of earmarked beers for, for those dates, um, so that y- you know, there's a little bit of linking back and looking looking back and uh, over some things we've done, um, and but the rest of the beers uh, are all in uh, a little tankard uh, at the moment. They're all on little pieces of paper on on in, in this tankard um, because obviously they run a spreadsheet and I was able to cut them out. So I'm actually going to uh, live on the show now. Draw out what what's going to be beer number two. Of, of my 50 beers. For, this is quite exciting. I
1: knew, I knew nothing of this.
0: I don't know. Love a bit of excitement. So, beer number two, uh, which I'll be enjoying in the next week or so, will be... Oh, my God, this is really tiny. I can barely read it. Um, I believe this might have been a bottle that you gave me. Uh, will be one of the Courage Russian Imperial Stout from 2012.
1: Yeah, that that probably is me.
0: Yeah, that were available from Tesco's at a ridiculous price a number of years it was like ago. Pound or bottle and everyone's yeah. swept the shelves. Yeah. So that's uh, that's going to be beer number two on my journey. And it's actually a beer I've never had before either. So uh, really looking forward to, to giving that one a try, uh, which is really the complete opposite of what we're drinking tonight, isn't it? Uh, well, a great yes. <laughs> big double figure imperial stout versus alcohol-free beers. Uh, again, I've finished the Lager Day Saints. I, I really enjoyed it. I found it maybe a little bit gassy, to, to, towards the end um maybe 440 is quite a lot uh in the summer i'm guessing you could probably smash through that quite quickly on a much warmer day at a barbecue or something like that um but it was it was enjoyable uh, enough and I've, I've got to say it didn't have any of those
1: indicators that it was alcohol free really no i mean you know uh, mine, mine had a brief pause while I was doing my beer adventures and even when I came back to it, it didn't start to give any of those indicators, I mean sometimes it almost feels like off flavours or off notes, but it's not it's it's just the way the, the beer is and some of the characteristics come through um, I would suggest though, I, I know as a, as a punter when I'm taking a, a chance on a new alcohol free beer, I'm probably going to get, I'd probably prefer 3.30s because again they're the sort of thing like having a few in the fridge and they 330s obviously sit much more comfortably in the door than a 440 a lot of time. Um so yes but I also agree I think uh hotter weather hot day and if that is the thing that you are deciding you're gonna have whether that be preference health reasons you're driving running the next day whatever it might be I think you would have a good time with that one. I think mean, it's a, it's a good it's a good lager. I mean I forget about the uh alcohol or such as it wasn't it's a good lager it's It's just a good lager yeah it's a really
0: really good lager yeah um great great stuff there from sheep and wolf's clothing now you said about you'd rather have 330s can i entice you with a 355 can
1: oh yes you can indeed (laughs) so we have got some beers from uh, athletic brewing this is the um upside dawn alcohol free golden ale these folks are in the states.
0: Um, they got in touch, said, "Would you like to try some of our alcohol-free beers?" Uh, I think they've very much got a ethos of athletics and health and fitness behind them, um, because the cans are talk a lot about the nutritional side of what's in them. Um, they're low carb, they're low calories they're alcohol free so they've they've really gone kind of all in on this being
1: a beer to enjoy after exercise i think yeah i mean you know the again mentioning the brandy the branding is very distinct on the front and i think we'll be able to say the same when we have the, the second can later on as well um but i haven't tried it so probably best we dive in and find out what we, find out what we like about it or not yeah cheers cheers Fruity and refreshing. There's a bit of um,
0: tangerine, orange pithiness on the nose. Um, it is. It is as as you say. It's very fruity, very fresh, it's like it's, it's like it's almost like drinking orange squash.
1: Yeah, a very light, diluted version. Um, carbonation is actually really nice as well, um, which I think gives helps with that refreshing uh hit mm-hmm. or cut through you know if you've been out for a run or maybe out cycling um i have to admit maybe it's because i had a english golden ale in my head it wasn't what i was expecting you know and i personally i don't often see the terminology golden ale used in u.s terms whether that's mark that's for here i don't know um but it, was, it sort of caught me out effectively it Sort of drinks like a session pale ale. It's um again just really easy to drink, really refreshing. Yeah, and going back to how you sort of introed um the bit on the show state. These are miles away from what we tasted in twenty sixteen. Oh, aren't they just a million miles away? These, well, the first two, they just taste like beer.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm I'm I'm,
0: I'm, I'm almost speechless. Um, which yeah doesn't doesn't happen very often. It has to be said.
1: Well, in this next section of the show, it may not happen at all. Um, because while we are supping this one, there is one big beery adventure that you and I still need to get out of our system, Steve.
0: Yeah, we should uh, We should probably talk about our beer then, really, yes, shouldn't we? we our we should, beer. Our beer. Uh, <laughs> Red Danson, the collab that we made with Brew York and Elusive. Uh, was or has been released into the wild. Now, um, I think shortly after the the show at the beginning of September, where we first spoke about it, uh, some people who went to the Leeds International Beer Festival got a bit of a preview of of it as it had its kind of first pour up there. But then, in the last week or so, the cans have been making their way out into the wild. I know the beer has been on at the Brew York Beer Hall. As, as, as well, but we had our very own launch event. Thanks to Rich and Sheena and Andy at the Vic, we were able to put on Red Danson, um at the Vic. We had it on cask and keg, alongside a whole host of other Brew York beers. And Lee came down and joined us from Brew York as well for what ended up being what I can only describe as a fantastic evening Although
1: my memory of large parts of it is very very hazy, still, uh, yes. Um, the overriding feeling I had when I woke up Friday morning was twofold. One, I drunk a lot. Two, it was a fantastic evening. Um, yeah. it was. I mean, I mean firstly, yeah, I'm going to echo that. Thanks to the Vic for putting the beers on because by the end, by the st- kickoff of the evening, all five of the cast lines were turned over to brew york and the free craft keg lines were brew york and one of the keg lines was also big eagle as well yeah so you could ask yourselves where did it all go wrong when we're drinking a 7.2 percent and stepping down to the big eagle um and also not only that lee turned up with a gift for us steve as well and i want to say i want to say thanks again to, to lee he came down all the way down to us he had to get set off fairly early on the friday and he brought us framed the framed artwork that's on the, that adorns the cans and the clips, um, which is wonderful. And yeah. It just, you know, it's spectacular. I mean, it's, it's got rid of that whole thing of do I do I need to keep hold of a can? Um, I don't, it's, it's in a, fr- it's framed forevermore. Um, so Lee, thank you for coming down. Um, thank you for, for bringing that with us. And he was doing a bit of circulating around the pub as well, ch- chatting to people. There was um. I think there was a. Rich said there was a table of ten who had booked up, um, not for us, Steve, but because it was a Brew York tap takeover. Yeah, um, yeah, they've been doing the um, the
0: the online Brew York events during during lockdown, and when when they heard that there was going to be a Brew York tap takeover, tap, can't even. Are you sure these beers are alcohol free? <laughs> um, a Brew York tap takeover uh yeah they they that, that they booked because they wanted to come down and try the beers and then they got the added bonus of of, of Levy in there as well
1: yeah um it was a busy evening um Very I, busy. I know you went back i know you you went back in the next day and they um the 3.7 karma chameleon had already kicked by mid afternoon on the friday hadn't it yep just as i i got back to the vic um just after opening on
0: friday which i don't know why i felt the need to to go back quite so soon after thursday night um but yeah literally the the karma chameleon kicked as, as, as i was waiting to be served which which isn't which isn't bad to have gone through a complete
1: cask of, of, of beer in less than 24 hours well not when you think about how many other beers were still on and being sold as well because i mean i had that early on because i thought go sensible early i had a bit this way tony their American pale ale and then it was the big reveal after much deliberation about whether it should be uh without a sparkler with a sparkler or with one of those really tight sparklers or or creamers Mm -hmm. um and you know we very you know we did a proper test me you and Lee um uh Rich disagreed with our choices uh but we ended up with which can only be described as a northern sparkler um essentially the creamer um, I got to pour my my pint of cask, and um, it was wonderful on cask. It, in fact, it was probably slightly different beer. Yeah, um, on cask, it was. Uh, and I know that the dispense can alter it a little bit, but it was softer, it was rounder, round more rounded. Um, very very easy to drink on cask, and definitely hid the seven point two percent. You had, you poured the keg version. So that, that was the first poured the keg version. And, and for me, the keg version is almost spot on our vision of what we wanted the beer to be, mm-hmm. which is sharp, bitter, piney, that, that multi backbone, essentially an old school hoppy red ale. And I think you get all of that from that one. And that one doesn't sort of hide the ABV quite so well. I think it sort of tells you it's a bigger beer and it's closer, probably not surprisingly, but closer to the canned version. But I think that sort of nailed the vision we were after, was that there was that version of it. Um, but it was just a superb evening. And then it just got all a bit jumbled up. There was just beers being passed over and bought and pints of Big Eagle being drunk in between pints of Red Dance and. It's it's no one day. There's there's the odd gap here and there. I I, but... <laughs> I
0: think my my issue is 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 more slightly that um once the red danson started pouring, that's all I drank. I I didn't get round to drinking big eagle on on Thursday night. That's, that's oh, did why, you not? No, that's why I ended up going back on Friday because I wanted big eagle, um, and also because I wanted to have. The, the, the two pints of red dance and while i was sober so i could actually make some tasting notes so i could remember what it tasted like um but yeah uh, i i have to agree the it i, I it's going to probably sound strange coming from me i think i actually preferred the cask version of it um it was just so full of flavor but at the same time so easy to drink and very dangerous on, on cask as well at that 7.2%. Really didn't feel it at, at all. And actually, when, when I went back on the Friday, they'd t- they taken the creamer off and they put the sparkler back on because uh, there was a different barman on. And and so so Alex was on and he said, I, I think it served better through a sparkler, so I'll put the sparkler on. And it did, from the slight recollection that I had on Thursday night, it did taste slightly different. Uh, brought a lot more of the fruity notes out. Um, the, the, the softness was still there on on, on on the finish which i think as you as you rightly say with the, the keg version of it that the, the bitterness on the finish is is exactly what we were looking for in 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 that beer it's it's big it's bold it's not messing around and and it just
1: slaps you around the face and then instantly makes you want more of it yeah um completely completely agree interesting about alex um Went down a slightly different route with the dispense. so I wouldn't have minded to, uh, trying that the second time myself. But you know, the the whole uh, the listeners will be glad to hear. that this is our our rounding off of this particular adventure, anyway. Um, and yeah, we're not going to keep banging on about how great Red Dancing is. Yeah, um, but and also I have you know have noted a few a few listeners have tried it and seem to have enjoyed it as well. So really appreciate that feedback we've had as well. Um, but again, we can only thank. Um, Lee and Andy for letting us be part of the experience, being part of the brew day um, and then being allowed to make a really big song and dance about the whole thing as well. So, you know, if, if everyone drinks enough of it and buys enough of it, it you know, maybe it'll become a seasonal release. So you know, I
0: think we're, we're, that's where our campaigning starts here. We, we know Lee listens and we know we said this to him on Thursday, but the, the campaign starts here, Lee, that
1: Red and becomes an annual release. And you know we're more than happy to do your share of the work on the daily, yes, yeah, and, and throw yeah. hops in.
0: <laughs> and, and I think I think we may have ambitions as well in a couple of years for a for an imperial version as well, don't we? Because you need it bigger than seven point two percent.
1: Well, it lends itself, doesn't it? That sort of that it sort does of it. A you, could bit, yeah. you could definitely imp it up, so yeah. to speak. So yeah, yeah again, everyone, uh, uh, anyone who listens and who also joined us, and we know that. You know, Paul, you and RCD made made the trek across for us as well. Wonderful night for those people that I spoke to, but completely forgot about it. Apologies. Um, but my overriding sense that night was just one of absolute enjoyment and feeling like I was smiling the whole night through. Yeah, same here. It was a it was a wonderful evening.
0: Um, it was great to see so many people, and much like yourself, if I if I spoke to people and completely forgot that I spoke to you about anything, I I, I am sorry, but the, the the beer was just tasting too good. Uh, I do just want to extend uh, a, a thank you as well to all of our listeners that have gone out and bought cans and and, and tried it as well and and given us some feedback. Uh, via Twitter on on the beer that's been fantastic to see you all enjoying it and and also it's been very interesting to go to, down that uh, brewer's journey of kind of watching people check it in on Untapped and then going what do you mean it's only <laughs> three point five um, it's uh, seeing some of the Untapped check ins has been has, has been quite eye opening as as to, to what as as, as to when, when when you hear brewers say about um, how obsessed they become with untapped you can you can see how easy that is to do because I, I i don't know about you mate but since it's been released i've i've been like a demon on there on untapped looking at what other people was, uh, have been saying
1: about our beer um i've done it less i definitely did it at the Leeds international <laughs> beer festival day because that was the first day it was out in the wild and i just really wanted to see pictures of how it looked and the initial uh, reaction to it um because we'd already had lee's Thing I wanted you know, people who had no connection to it. Uh, but yeah, I, I can definitely see it. I mean, what I think I found, and I reckon you and I have both been guilty of this. Um, you read some of the comments and you think, oh, they really enjoyed it. Free. And I'm thinking, you yeah, like the fucking strictly come dancing judges. You give all these compliments, then you give a four when it comes <laughs> to the scoring. So come on. Um, but it just shows how objective how subjective it is to people, isn't it? Both their own personal scoring system and the comments and stuff. I've I've enjoyed it, but then I've only I've only had to really focus on the one beer, that I've ever been involved in brewing. So yeah, it's yeah. you know, I would hate to have to be down be wanting to go down the rabbit hole where there's multiple ones, or maybe you're a new brewery and you want to know what what's the initial feedback like. So I can definitely see why people could get a little uh, sucked into it and then go, no, it's not for me. I'm never never looking at it again and stuff, but I just can't get over seeing the artwork every time. So I'm quite happy to go into untapped. Yeah.
0: I love, I love the artwork. Um, and, and again, just to, to, to echo what you said, it was it really grateful to, to, to Lee for framing that up for us and, and, and giving us um, one of those each. Uh, I just, I'm just really grateful to everybody that, that's been involved in it, really, whether that be Lee or Andy or Rich or Sheena or Andy or every single person that came down on Thursday night. It's, it's been, it's been a fantastic journey, um, and it's, it's been a real marker in the sand as, as as far as
1: my beer journey goes as well. Yeah, agreed, agreed, and um, that's it, folks. As the cartoon used to say. Yes, yes, that is the last.
0: Uh, you might hear us talk about it. I'm sure it's going to come up
1: in our end of year review. At least for at least for a while anyway. You've got yes. a couple of months off, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, 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 for, for sure. How's the golden ale gone then? Uh,
0: it's it's all right. Um there's a strange finish that I'm getting on it. Um what well, I can't quite put my finger on. Um it, it tastes a little bit like um like it's unfinished um it's enjoyable enough but certainly as it's warming it's becoming a bit more of a, of a challenge to drink
1: it's not as clean as the lager there was an exceptionally clean lager that we had to start off with um and so this did have a little bit of competition to go up against anyway i think it's one of the it's definitely one of those beers that you wouldn't want it to you wouldn't want it to warm up too much um, my initial feeling is still is pretty good, still pretty favourable. It's still streets ahead of, of what used to be out there in the past, um, and yeah, I, I do like I actually do like the branding on the cans as well. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the
0: branding is very um, very clear, which which I think will continue over as we move into our third beer this week, which is once again from Athletic Brewing Co. And this time it's their run wild alcohol-free IPA, which has again
1: the very simple but rather distinctive branding on it. Yeah, so it's slightly different background picture. The first one is sort of sun over a mountain range. And this one's almost got like a a long and winding road into the into the distance. So, you know, it's definitely, I think it's definitely showing what it's about, about. Beers you can enjoy while you're doing outdoor activities is what I'm getting from it. Now, let, we, we've both had this before, Steve. We have, so we'll, discuss, yes. we'll discuss that in a second. So yeah. let's dive in. Cheers. Cheers. That's got a very dank nose on it. It's quite surprising how how much of a, a nose it has got. Um, although, I'm probably saying that because it's 0.4%, but... Uh, It's brewed with a blend of Northwest hops with citron Mosaic at the forefront. Uh, Premium organic malts from the US and Germany. Subtle yet complex malt malt profile is the description of the beer. Um, And that's pretty accurate, to be honest. It's it's a very, I think it's a very pleasant aroma. And again, it's a very nice tasting, essentially session IPA, or as they say, the ultimate sessionable IPA. Mm. Now, I had this last uh, Wednesday after I took advantage of the fact that the Wednesday evening um, was remarkably warm and sunny. And I thought, I'm going to be many more of these left this year. So out on the bike, I went, got back home and I did do a can of this because I had one in the fridge already and probably did it in about three gulps. It did exactly what I needed to post post bike ride. When did you have yours?
0: Uh, A few days before, after a ride. As, as well I, I thought well i'm gonna i'm gonna put these beers to to, to the test and um, i'm gonna see if they can be enjoyed after after exercise um and, and yeah actually um in, in terms of it being cold fizzy and refreshing which is which is generally some of the things you're looking for when when, when you've been out on on a run or a ride and you, you, you know you're thirsty when you get back because
1: you've been working um it, it certainly ticks all of those boxes for me yeah, I'd agree. and it's, it's a it's a nice alternative. Sometimes if you've been out on the bike, you've already consumed a decent amount of water and you just need something different, don't you? And either you might not be a fizzy pop drinker and you, or you might not like it, or you may not want the calories that comes with it as well and the sugar. So this did a very good job for me and sort of cut through it after. I knew I was still thirsty, but I just couldn't face any more water at the time mm-hmm. as well. But yeah, I you know, Look at us doing our, our science research, Steve. Uh,
0: well, while we are enjoying the Run Wild alcohol-free IPA, let's get into this week's question. Opinions, 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 opinions. Which was, should drinking a beer ever be a struggle? And, and I think I might have chosen this poll this week in case the alcohol-free beers were a struggle. <laughs> um, I, th- I think I was probably thinking back to that very first alcohol-free show that we did. Um, but we had 262 votes on this one, uh, 77.9% of people going for what? Never. And 22.1% of people saying, yeah, maybe.
1: From your boy, Rob Edwards. Should a beer be designed to be a struggle to drink? Nope, not unless it's a stunt. Here for the beer at Ox Beer Hunter. A struggle for one person could be a delight for another. Then from Chicken Dipper at Graham Salander. I'd accept a challenge, but never a struggle. From Dr
0: Goggles. If I'm struggling to finish a beer, I'll give up. It should be pleasurable. Some beers are just, are just bad. And also, we all like different things. No need to force down a drink you're not enjoying. From Points of Brew. No, if you're struggling, you're not enjoying it, in my eyes. You're either struggling because you're not enjoying it or because you've had enough. From Hoppaganda, it's okay to not like a beer. It's even more okay to admit you don't like a beer and move on to the next. Said by a man who has struggled through countless beers.
1: From Graham Meekham, it should never be a struggle. But if you don't like a certain beer or style, you should definitely try it again a couple of years later. Taste change. For example... The first taste of a roush beer is generally a strange one for most people, but some people, like myself, grow to love it. From Andrew Sh- Sheldon at Tavare Fan Club. I always used to finish a beer on the grounds, but if I paid for it, should I drink it? A chilli porter finally altered my perspective.
0: From The Disappearing Chin at Disappearing Chin. took me a year to struggle through sours, and now I couldn't imagine a life without them now. And from Guy Miller at Brew Yes, a struggle every time some fucker drinking pumpkin beers mentions and posts a picture of foul spawn. (laughs) I see the love for pumpkin (laughs) beers
1: is starting early this year. (laughs) It's definitely divisive, that one, isn't it? Um, From James at Gamma Baron. I've struggled with sour beers in the past. I tended to avoid them like the plague. But with Thornbridge Beer Club and getting hold of some US wild ale, I've learned to appreciate them now. White chocolate stouts can still get in the sea, though. From James Keatley at Keatley 1892. Why does nobody sell tippers and 330 millilitre cans? I rarely ever sit there thinking, I really want 440 milliliters of a tipper. If you're not sharing, I find it all a bit pointless. From Martin Griffin at Martin the Monkey. Said
0: never, as others have said, would rather tippers and impies come in smaller cans, so I struggle with the serving measure rather than the beer itself, which I would argue is a separate point. And then finally from Bay Beer Reviews, remember that first time you drank a beer, any beer, now that was a struggle. some great comments there this week and there's um before we get into our views there's there's a couple of points i just want to pick up on there so i just want to go back in in in, into some of these um comments particularly the one around and it's one that comes up time and time again isn't it uh the size of cans and the abv of beers
1: in bigger cans yeah and i can't disagree with it i mean um yeah no joking aside that i mean we have both now tried the abydale Deliverance uh, 440s cans, eight plus percent. You could argue that is better suited to a 330 can, especially if you're drinking, you want to have a couple on your own. Um, but yeah, when we start talking into some of the the really big beers, um, then yes, unless you have got access to people to share with or a partner perhaps who wants to share beers with you. Then that, you can, because sometimes I've, I've got two thirds of the way through a beer and it's a big beer and I'm thinking, I've opened it now. There's no way I can sort of keep it. So don't get me wrong, I know why I, I get the logistics, the same reason why certain companies seem to only have one size of box, regardless of the things they're delivering to you. Um, so I, I get it from a cost perspective, but from my point of view, I would, if I had to, I'd err on the side of like 250 millilitres for those 10% plus beers. Because I think the Courage Imperial Stout that you referenced earlier, I think that's 275, I want to say. I, I will find out when I dig it out of my cellar to, yes. to drink I this Yes, I think week. that's, I don't think it's a 330. I think it's smaller than that. And I think it's a wonderful size for that beer. Um, if you are, a Sherry, you can just split two of them or someone can have a little taste of them before they decide. You haven't opened so much of it in one go, so yeah, it, I, I think that will come up for a lot of people all the time. That is, it's probably a bit of a preventer from their, from people buying it sometimes. Yeah,
0: I, I, I completely agree, and, and I think you know. We, we have had this discussion uh, a number of times, particularly I, I know during um, the, the, the lockdown shows last year, there were a lot of people saying that obviously with the prevalence of the amount of beers that people started ordering to drink at home, you didn't ne- necessarily want to find yourself sat there on a weekday night drinking a 440ml 440 440 can of a 12% Imperial Stout.
1: I would argue that. I could, there's a lot of beers that I would prefer not to have four forties. I mean, the thing is, it's it's, it's also a volume, isn't it? I mean, say so you do want to have a little bit of a, a mini session, but you, maybe you're doing it on your own. There's a lot less beers variety you can get through if you're drinking four forties, unless you really are going to hammer it. Mm. Whereas, generally, I I, I would three and also 3.30s stack better in fridges on shelves, in fridge doors, in cupboards. Um, and if there's anything wrong with a beer and it decides to go pop, there's less liquid coming out as well. So, and there's lots of good reasons to have big beers and smaller cans. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. What was your overall view? What would you, if you were reading this question, how would you have taken the word struggle? Because I think Point to Brew made quite a good point. Is it you who's had enough beer so like you say you could have gone to the vic on the friday and gone i'm going there because i said i will but actually i don't i don't need a beer today i don't want a beer and it might be a struggle uh or were you viewing that question as a struggle as in challenging
0: i think i was viewing it as i'm not enjoying this beer so why should I struggle to, to 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 finish it? Um, more so than. Uh, this is a bad beer. I'm going to struggle to drink it. Sort sort of thing. I think it was it was it was purely for for me. I I, I suppose in in terms of I, I guess writing that question, my 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 thought process at the time was. If, if, if i'm struggling with a beer what is it i'm struggling with is it is it is it the style that i'm struggling with is it something to do with taste or flavor or is it a bad bit so yeah. uh, it, uh, and i i very rarely like to drain poor beers um in in fact i will nine times out of ten i will generally struggle through a beer um rather than feel like i'm wasting it but there are times where you simply you simply try a beer and you're like nah i'm really gonna i'm gonna struggle to get through that and therefore i'm not gonna
1: force myself to drink it yeah i mean i i definitely used to be of a mind um if i've paid for it i don't want to track it um but i'm now at that point where yeah, but I don't want to. I don't want to feel bad later on in the evening or the next day, um, because generally it is when I think the beer is bad rather than a style I don't like. As um, like I said, I, I did like uh, the points of BrewPoint. Um, the the reason for struggling is that you you've done, you know, you said you're going to drink for three days, and then by day three you probably shouldn't be. It's probably a struggle, but you're doing it anyway. Um, But no, I don't. I think beers can be challenging, Uh, and and you know I think the other point that was made on there about from Graham about you know roush beers, you definitely didn't have much of the Belgiany in you early doors, Um, and you're probably more adventurous with those kind of beers now, Steve. Mm. Over over time, you know, um, many bottle shares where Belgiany beers kept on featuring, and then you know a trip to Belgium, that kind of thing. So I think our palates and our tastes can change. I know that when I host the work beer tastings, the beers I think are sessionable or maybe not sessionable, but pintable. There are definitely people at that tasting who think this is the worst beer ever that someone has presented to them just because it is so different. Mm -hmm. So out of the box, what they're used to seeing and used to having so I think you can, you, you can actually paint that picture in quite a few different areas. And for someone who only drinks Guinness, is that only dark beer, then you can almost present any other dark beer, and then potentially that beer could be a struggle. Because Guinness sort of stands on its, on its own, doesn't it? Yeah. So I thought it was an interesting question. I, was, I mean, um, I, I know it was quite low on the votes, but I think the comments were very good.
0: Yeah, I think, I think there was a good level of uh, engagement on the comments and particularly on um, James Keatley's comment, who I think he was the first one to mention about the size of cans. again. That, that particular reply, there was a lot of discussion that then came off of, of his reply that others then got involved in. And, and that's, that's why it's great to see with, with, with these polls because obviously that's what we tried to... Yes, we use them as content for the show... But we do also like to see it generate a little bit of debate on, friendly debate on, on, on Twitter on, on, on a Sunday evening. Um, but you can continue to, to get involved in this week's poll. Use the hashtag opinions and you may very well find yourself in this next part of the show. Let us know, write it down. Let us know, write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness. Write it down. So first up from Wayne at the Irish Beer Snob, uh, who's been on a listen through of recent shows Starting with episode 153 and the wonderfully eloquent Danny, who spoke with passion and clarity about hospitality. Also very envious of the beers they were drinking. Next up was 154 with Matt, who was a great guest. Can't believe it had been so long since he was last on. The special that dropped with Jezza with the wedding owls was great. Definitely have aged, aged by accident with mixed results. You could almost hear the apprehension and the palatable relief when the beer was pleasant. And just starting the Northern Irish special with Stephen, lots of similarities between North and South with licences. So Wayne is on a bit of a catch up there um, to, 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 to keep up with uh, the shows that we're putting out. And then next up from Stephen O'Kane at Soxys Nine, favourite rant might be over the price of a half pint. And I still disagree with you on it. Although the difference shouldn't be more than 10 or 20p. I think Martin
1: had the biggest rant about it. Yeah, don't get me started, Stephen. <laughs> don't, don't, we don't want to kick it kicking off again about that. It should, it, should, it, should, it should still just be half the price. Yes, yes, yes. From Johnny Beerboy, Just finished listening to this at work and thoroughly enjoyed the conversation on a super interesting topic. We'll definitely be grabbing Johnny's book on payday, not to mention the absolute super banned aspect of having CBC and Beer O'Clock Show opinions combined. Listen to the latest show with Johnny on the way home talking about seasonality in beer, and now I just want a brown ale or a barley wine from We Beer Shop. From Points of Brew, cracking
0: episode as normal. We'll be buying the book once I've cleared my backlog. All that's left to say is long live Sabro. And then from Rascó and Disco Beer Reviews, really enjoyed this. Not sure what they've got against coconut, but it's a bloody great listen. And then the flip side of that from Steve Longdon, totally agree on the use of coconut in beer. (laughs) <laughs> um, I just, I just wanted to uh, go back to Rasco and Disco there and say, um, coconut has no place in beer. I will repeat what I said on that show: coconut belongs in its shell on a tree or on the beach,
1: nowhere near my beer. And there ended the lesson from Steve, uh, from Ian Hay. This is another excellent episode. Some very thought-provoking angles from Johnny, whose book I should have had to buy. Cheers, guys. Pete at Hopton Hoops. I just remembered something from a dark time called March twenty twenty. I was very gloomy, focusing hugely on all the COVID doom, and it was making me feel real bad. Martin and Steve helped me get out of it. Thanks for that, Pete. Yeah, I was
0: quite uh, quite humbled by by that comment. Yeah. Um I'm glad you appreciated what we did, Pete. Um, we certainly it, it it I've said it many times. It it helped keep me going as as, as well dur- during that time that. I had something to focus on every week.
1: Yeah, and uh, as ever, thanks for all the uh, bitter and lingeringness comments. Yeah,
0: just um, always keep them coming. Use that hashtag opinions. We've also got a couple of questions from listeners this week. Questions, questions, fill my head. First up from Rob Zilla at Rob Many Handles. Random question from the last podcast. Rather than expecting people to upload to YouTube, which could clean house, why is there no independent beer archive to protect heritage and make available content from podcasts, videos, blogs, etc., for research? Now, this is a really interesting question, and there's a couple of points I think with with this question. Um, so this this was obviously on what we was talking about in the last show about how. I'm currently going through the process of essentially archiving all of our content on YouTube. So it's, it's available for people to listen to in the future um, once we bring an end to this and stop paying for domain names and all of that. So um, firstly, th- there's no expectation for, for me to do that. Um, that's a choice that, that I've decided to do because I want the content to remain available in 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 the future i want it to still be there in in a way that with some of the older beer podcasts that came before us isn't now um secondly i think i think the reason why there's no independent beer archive is probably because it's simply too soon um in in terms of the the different types of technology that people are using about to talk about beer um, it's 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 early on in those days. I mean, there are there are kind of archives for brewery information and labels and all that sort of thing. Um, there are historical archives, but I think we're maybe a few years away from collecting any of the technological stuff. And I think also a lot of the digital output that that's being created now could be viewed as being people's professions rather than hobbies. So it should be down to the individuals to find a way to create their own legacy.
1: Um, I think I'd agree with that. I mean, I, I, I like the question from Rob. Um, unless there was a all, an organisation that we all belong to, which w- would probably be funded. And I know you may argue the British Guild of Beer Writers, but that's very much a... Uh, a organisation that doesn't, you know, there's a lot of podcasters who aren't part of that um, or bloggers or um, vloggers. So I, I would also say that, yes, you're probably right, Steve. Um, it's probably down to ourselves, the people that own the material. And lastly, we're pretty much in a throwaway society. Mm. You know, people listen, you download it, you listen, you delete. You know that that's 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 the society we operate in. I have once or twice often thought that when you've referred to some of the older podcasts that even predated you and Mark, I wouldn't mind dipping into those just to listen to what people were saying at the time, at the you know, in the 2010s. Um, but that you say that's not really available to me. But equally, it's only occasionally I've wanted to go back to it. Um, so it would be wonderful to have the archive and let's face it the technology is there for at least individual individuals to archive their material if they've got the where for all and decide to do it so at least the options are there but you never know as you say maybe once this becomes a much more mature, mature place maybe someone might take that mantle up and create a digital archive which <laughs> would be a nice resource for people to have in the future i think i think that also comes down
0: to probably to need as as well quite quite simply there isn't the need for 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 it at the moment um I'm I'm as I said I'm purely doing it so that we've got a record of the 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 beer o'clock show and what what we did Um, and at the moment the it's and that won't be made public until a time at which we Finish doing this um, because what what I, I I'm the only subscriber to the channel at the moment, and when I have a couple of hours of uploading, my YouTube playlists are just full of new content from the Beer O'clock Show, and and I wouldn't want to wish that on anybody. <laughs> you know that you've suddenly got all this content appear here, so that it's it's probably out there if you want to find it. But you, you know, people that have been with us for a while it's nothing new it's it's literally content that, you, that you've heard in a different format and um the day that we'll make the, the the location of that available will be the day that we finish doing this and close down the
1: beer clock show website which isn't any time on the horizon uh, yet um just one question from easter any easter eggs in the uploads so far is <laughs> Any, have you done any Marvel shit on us? <laughs> well, what, you mean like added content? To, yeah. to,
0: no, I've got <laughs> I've got no desire to... Believe me, the process is uh, time-consuming enough uh,
1: without having to go back into some of those shows and, and add in content. I can just imagine you thinking, oh, someone say we should have had this as the outro track and then changing it or something like that, or maybe one of our numerous gaffes and outtakes suddenly finding their way in there
0: yeah if if anything what what we might have is some problems with some of the outro tracks and copyright claims on on them because um youtube are very hot on that very hot on you using other people's music and if you use too much of it um they will put a copyright claim on, on on your video
1: it does give you the
0: option to remove the music. Uh, the video will will automatically clip the music out of it. Um, but we've, we've only had a we've had a couple so far, but they haven't uh, ventured across the line where they that they want us to do
1: something about it. Okay, that's good then. That's good. Anyway, I think it's a wonderful thing that you're doing for us, Steve. So thank you very much for doing it. Oh, you're you're very welcome, mate. Uh, And then the other question
0: this week is from James at Gammon Baron. Now we are being allowed back into music venues, which have the best beer selection now. Uh, Put this in this week's show because I can't answer that. I don't go to enough enough gigs to be able to even get anywhere near answering that. But I know lots of our listeners go to lots of venues um, to enjoy live music. So uh, let's have suggestions from, from you folks. Um, let us and let James know uh, where is the the, the best beer in, in music venues across the UK. Use the hashtag
1: opinions. I mean, I just I would just venture to say the bigger the venue, the worse the selection is my personal experience um and generally your local pl- your local pub with a couple of people singing or playing guitar you probably will still have your usual beer selection available to you but it probably only holds about 15 people watching said band so that would be my
0: option had had i not been in southwold on sunday evening i probably could have gone to the vic for some
1: live music and enjoyed it with a pint of red Dancing. there you go that's that's what sort of what i had in mind is a is a pub which does music once or once a week or maybe once a month only it's a public you already like the beer selection out, and the beer selection probably doesn't change because it's got music on you know what it's like get you as soon as you start stepping up into officially licensed not officially licensed but venues that are purely there for music the selection gets worse and more expensive in my yeah my own personal experience anyway but yeah. really look forward to hearing if you are convinced there's a few people in my head who I, i'm expecting prompt replies from
0: Yes. Yeah. And if you do want to tag James in directly to that, it's at Gammon Baron or or you can let us know and we'll um, feature it on the next show. While we've been talking about that, the uh, Athletic Brewing Co. Run Wild, alcohol free IPA has been going down very, very easily in the glass. Martin, what are your final thoughts on
1: this beer, mate? Really enjoyed it. I I was able to give a bit more time and fault this time than the uh, first time I had it. And, yeah, it's really good. Definitely, it, it holds all of its characteristics all the way through. And unlike the golden ale, it doesn't start to change a little bit as it warms up. I would definitely go back to that one. I don't know, I mean, it, it, how readily, I know that they say it's, um, they've got a, an arm in the UK. I mean, and I think they had a stall at Brew London, um, possibly, uh, since we've got quite a few low and know that day. Um, but hopefully it's fairly easy for people to get hold of us so if, if they are interested and let us know what they think. But again, it's another option. It's, it's, it's given you options in this market and it seems to be that the lower no is just continually seeing growth year on year
0: couple of things there um firstly you if you go on to the athletic brewing co website it will take you to the uk landing page for it so you can buy the beers directly from them if if you're interested in 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 these beers and i know that we've got uh, a number of listeners that are very much into keeping active and keeping healthy and, and and fit and i know i've seen a few of those listeners try these beers as well so yeah i'll be keen to Hear other people's thoughts on them. But if if we go back to what we referenced at the beginning of the show, in in terms of when we first did alcohol-free beers five years ago, that the selection was fairly tiny in, in terms of what you could get hold of. And that that very first show that we did, I think it was it was only the second or third opinions podcast that we had done together. You outrightly promised to, to leave if we ever did alcohol-free again. Um, we have since done a follow-up alcohol-free go, free show, which was a couple of years uh, uh, ago, um, where we spoke about how far alcohol-free beers had come. And obviously on that show, I think we featured um, one of the Thornbridge releases and the Ghost Ship 0.5. As, as as well, which I still think is probably, in terms of uh, an example of a an alcohol-free beer that is pretty damn close to tasting like beer, the Ghost Ship 0.5 is is, is still up there. Um, yeah. But but then you look at what we've tried here to, today. We've we, we've tried two beers that are very very focused on their nutritional content and that side of things. And we've tried uh, a a lager that was just a really good lager. But all of these beers are are, are considered alcohol-free because they're 0.5 or under. Five years isn't a huge amount of time to to have come
1: so far with alcohol-free beer, is it? Um, No, but I suppose in, in beer terms, you know, from 2012 to 2017 your the 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 type of beers you would have started drinking you were drinking with mark early doors to what we started drinking in the first year opinions it was quite a great leap so i suppose in terms of that the evolution has been in a fairly similar sort of pattern it's just that perhaps it wasn't we didn't predict it would happen quite as as sharply as that i mean and there are there are loads out there there are there are enough alcohol new alcohol free beers from breweries who specialise in it to do a much more regular alcohol-free update if we were of a mind to because there were so many out there I really enjoyed trying the beers from Sheep in Wolves Clothing and the ones from Athletic and yeah if anyone else has got any thoughts about them please again use the hashtag opinions let us know
0: yeah and I will just reiterate again we are very grateful to, to, to both of those breweries for sending us beers to try um, it's always nice to try something new and to, to revisit a theme again um, I'm wondering how long it'll be before we do a, a, a fourth alcohol-free show. I suspect it will happen at some point, Steve. Yeah, they, they do seem to be coming, be becoming more regular now. Um, that's, that, that's for sure. Um, certainly, though, won't be on the next show.
1: Um, what have we got coming up on the next show, Martin? Um, we're going to be joined by Katie from Nomadic Brewing to chat to us about a whole host of things, but especially including brewing fresh hot beers. So really looking forward to that. I've, I've never had a chance. I've never met, met Katie and I've had very little of the nomadic brewing range. So that should be a really interesting conversation. I know that there are some fans of nomadic beers who are listeners as well.
0: Yep. Uh, very cask forward, cask laid brewery, um, but also the the whole discussion around fresh hot beers. I know something that's been on twitter quite a bit recently um people discussing um those so it will be interesting to have that discussion with with katie and talk to her about all things nomadic all that's left to be said this week is cheers, cheers